0: Welcome to The Thirteenth Story, hosted by Alan Welker. Hey, it's the new year. Doing alright? Getting shit done and sticking to those resolutions? Yeah? Well, welcome to another episode of The Thirteenth Story. I'm your host, Alan Welker, and on the show today is a very special guest, Taylor Woodland. If that name sounds familiar, it's because she does a podcast promoting writers called Not Ready for Rhyme Time. She also just finished her first novel, a work of dark fantasy I'm looking forward to reading. First, I'm just going to go ahead and plug my website for a bit, alanwalker.com. That's A-L-A-N-W-E-L-K-E-R.com. Not only are all my books available there, but some great new gear, my blog, this podcast, and coming soon, free ebooks. You heard it right. Free ebooks. Starting on February 1st, ebook editions of a selection of my works will be offered free of charge. How great is that? Well, now, on to the interview. All right, we have Taylor Woodland with us. Just known for Not Quite Rhyme Time, it's another podcast. Um,
1: Not Ready for Rhyme Time.
0: Not Ready for Rhyme Time, that's right. Uh, uh, Would you mind telling the listeners a little bit about yourself? Where did you grow up? uh, College, that sort of thing?
1: I grew up in the Bluegrass region of Kentucky. And I went to college in the western Kentucky.
0: (laughs) Okay. Uh so what college was that?
1: Western Kentucky. <laughs> oh,
0: okay. Uh, so you recently completed a uh, first draft of your novel?
1: Yeah, I recently completed the first draft. Uh, I'm working on editing it right now. Okay. Or revising it.
0: Cool. Uh what's that story called?
1: My working title right now is called Mallory.
0: Mallory. Yeah, what what genre is that?
1: It is a new adult dark fantasy.
0: Sounds cool. Uh, what's it about?
1: It is about a girl named Mallory Searce. She sees her family murdered at the age of seven by men with glowing red eyes. The police don't really believe this. <laughs> <laughs> so they've pretty much remained at large, and it's... When she's entered college, that she has a chance run in with a living doll that pulls her into the world of the Nighters, and she finally gets her first lead in 11 years.
0: A living doll, huh? Is that. Mm-hmm. So is the doll possessed, or what's with this doll?
1: That's a secret. <laughs>
0: okay. All right. Uh, what What's your process like when you're writing?
1: Usually, for a first draft, I have a couple basic, like big plot structures in my head, but I mainly just write from one point to the next, and whatever happens, happens. So.
0: So you write first- organically. I what? So you write organically, you don't do a whole lot of pre-structure?
1: Yes. I did a little more structure for this novel because I, I plotted out um, the main characters a little bit more for this one. So I already knew kind of their likes and dislikes a little bit more. But they grow much more after I've written them.
0: <laughs> cool. Uh, what? Um, when did you first start writing?
1: So, I first wanted to be a writer when I was eight.
0: And, and what drew you to that?
1: I read a book called Little Women on Tape. And I found, it was actually the first time I was ever introduced that writing was even a career. Because the main character was writing or trying to write for a Which is a lot different in the 1800s, but.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because more people read <laughs> you know.
1: Uh, But that's kind of the book that instilled the idea. And then I guess there was another book when I was in sixth grade that was called The School Story that was about a girl actually kind of tricking a publisher so she could get published early, which some of that doesn't make sense. And a lot of that doesn't matter now since there's a lot more self publishing, but it was a really entertaining story. I wouldn't say I, I started my first novel in high school, but that will never see the light of day.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, It wasn't really until after
1: I graduated college, though, that I took writing a little bit more seriously as a career
0: potential. Okay. Okay. I actually wrote my first novel-length work when I was, what, around nine or ten years old? But, yeah, that's never... Going anywhere? <laughs> yeah.
1: My first, first book was actually on construction paper and I had stapled it to be like a little booklet and I had taken these multicolored straws and I put them in the shape of an eight because that was my favorite number and my birthday. So my character, his name was eight and he was a superhero. Cool. <laughs> and, and he had the scar of an eight on his arm, and his best friend was another superhero named Dee, Dee. <laughs> 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 Pretty sure my mom has that in a drawer somewhere.
0: <laughs> cool. Uh, so, do you have any previous bylines?
1: I have not written anything for a newspaper. Um, there actually wasn't a school newspaper or anything like that until college, and my degree was not in writing.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, the byline actually refers to like any anything that you've you've published before. Um, like my first byline was a was a short story when I was seventeen, so like if it was like in a literary magazine or just. Literally published anywhere. It that's sorry. That's what I meant. So do you have anything else like previously that's published? No. Oh okay. Um, well, what authors do you like to read?
1: I like to read. My favorite two classic authors are Louise May Alcott and Jane Austen. Oh, cool. But. Uh, One of my favorite authors is Tamora Pierce.
0: Tamora Pierce. Um,
1: She usually writes novels with strong female characters as a lead.
0: Okay, cool.
1: So her first series is called The Song of the Lioness, and they are all very fantasy-based. She started writing in the 80s, so she has, like... But what's cool about all of her series is the... The characters you meet in the very first novel actually show up later in the other novels when you're following a whole new character through the same world. So it's on continuous. It's a lot of fun.
0: So she writes all in the same universe.
1: I think she has different universes, but they, they each... Continue into the same universe. So her first novel is Alana. She's the main character. And then in the second one, you have Diane. She's the main character, but she ends up like running into Atlanta at one point. But Atlanta's not like a main character.
0: <laughs> cool.
1: So it just keeps going like that.
0: Do you have any other major influences?
1: Um, well, Harry Potter taught me how to read. <laughs> <laughs> Does that count? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I guess mainly a lot of the books I've read are mostly fantasy. Fantasy and classics. Okay. Mostly because I was forced to read the classics. Oh,
0: uh, yeah. As a, I don't
1: read a lot of urban novels, which is kind of funny because huh. that's what my extent is an urban one.
0: Uh, so by urban mo- um, novels, you mean...
1: Uh, city. It's based in a city. Oh, okay, I got gotcha. you. So, you've you've got our our modern city going on.
0: Oh okay, so okay, I got gotcha.
1: you. Um, I would say it leans more to dark fantasy than I would say urban fantasy. So.
0: Huh. Cool. So you have a podcast, of course. It's not ready for rhyme time. I said it right this time. Um, Yay! (laughs) What's it about?
1: I read stories, poems, and I also feature authors on my podcast. And I will kind of voice act these as much as I can. But basically, I'm just reading the stories for people to listen to. It's not really me reviewing the stories. I have found that the writers do like... To hear a couple things about it at the end (laughs) so i i throw want a comment or two but i try to keep my opinion out of it as much as possible because i really just want people to enjoy hearing the stories because books on tape taught me how to read yeah so i pulled this idea from that
0: okay okay so that's what made you decide to be a podcaster
1: No. What made me decide to be a podcaster was I was actually watching a YouTuber's channel, Jenna Uh Moreci. She's a self-published author. She has a YouTube channel and a background in, like, business and finance. So she talks a lot about marketing. And one of the things she talks about for people who want to market their books because we live in... so modern day. So all writers have to market their stuff at one point or another. So she said, find a way to give back to the writers community. Her channel was her way. And I thought about doing YouTube, but my face and watching my face is really (laughs) awkward. (laughs) But I can listen to myself talk all day.
0: (laughs) Cool. Uh, So, (laughs) so how often do you have new episodes?
1: I post once a week on Sundays at five PM, or around there, as much as I can.
0: Okay, uh, cool. Uh, where do you get stories for your show? Uh.
1: I get them off writers' groups on Facebook mostly. So I'm a part of like twenty different writers' groups, and whenever I need submits, so I just go on there and post a comment saying, Hey, anybody want me to read their story on my podcast? I usually get like 200 comments in two
0: days.
1: (laughs) People like their stuff read. So I, I also put it on Twitter, but that's a little bit more. You have to have a lot more followers for people to look at that. I have a couple who have come forward on Twitter, but I get more hits off Facebook, huh?
0: Yeah, well, speaking from personal experience, I know you do a good job. Uh, uh,
1: Thank you. Yeah. Your Um, story was very creepy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I've had a lot of people tell me that. Um, I'm
1: pretty sure I woke up in sweats after I read that (laughs) that night.
0: Um, Are there poems or stories which stood out?
1: Are there any poems or stories which stood out? Yeah. years was one (laughs)
0: um
1: there was a fantasy story and it was one of the first fantasy stories I ever got because a lot of the ones I get are usually more modern yeah that was about a a fairy but not like little fairies it's more like fair they're actually human-sized fairies and he was going in the 1800s in England, and he was making a huge rant over how your society is basically going to degenerate, and etc. You're going to have machines taking you around everywhere. You're going to have a pill that fixes everything. (laughs) (laughs) He's basically predicting the future, and he said, you're going to lose our magic. So he was going to the last little people who had magic and trying to make a deal with them that he would make any of them king or queen or whatever. And they would so and then they just basically looked at this guy because making deals with the fair is really really bad idea yeah. usually because they want so much in return and that one was a lot of fun because that was the first fantasy I got to read and I basically got to go on a rant as much in a British accent as I could
0: so, that's cool <laughs> so you try to do like all the different accents and like, like you said you acted out with
1: I'm not very good at the accents just yet. I did a British accent for one story because I knew the person's from England, and then one of my alpha critique partners, who is British, told me I sounded very uh, high, high class pompous. <laughs> basically, they <laughs> meant that in a good way, but <laughs> so I try not to do that too much every now and then I'll get a story that has a country accent in there. And if I notice that it, I, it has the country accent before I'm reading it, I'll work that in a little bit. That's a little bit more easy for me to work in.
0: <laughs> when, when you say country but, accent, like what part of the country? But, Cause even uh, like the region to the South, it really varies. Like if you're in Oklahoma, it sounds completely different than Georgia, Alabama.
1: Right. The only probably country accent I have on hand is in, in um, eastern Kentucky <laughs> this is where a lot of my extended family is from but even then I'm still not sure I'm doing it right <laughs> I'm just kind of twanging my words a little bit and you know making sure we don't get stung by waspers or anything like that
0: <laughs> oh, so you don't do a what, do you call, what is that movie Uh, Every time I do a southern accent, I I slip into Billy Bob Thornton. (laughs) Um,
1: Oh, I don't, you mean do the really, really twangy one? Yeah. Uh, I'm not even sure I can do that. Sling
0: blade, yes. Every time I try to do a southern accent, I start talking like sling blade.
1: Uh, Well, dang. (laughs) That happened. (laughs) I feel like I go southern (laughs) bell. With a little Uh, bit more. (laughs) I don't know, it it just depends. I just try and make it a little bit more through the nose, (laughs) if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I gotcha. So, do you listen to podcasts?
1: I actually only found out about podcasts a month before I started podcasting. (laughs) (laughs) Really? I pretty much jumped into it, because I'd already bought all the stuff, because I was thinking of doing the YouTube channel. So and then I found out podcasting. I was like, "Oh, I don't have to show my face.
0: Right. I could do that."
1: <laughs> so there's not very many I've heard, and I, I am on a podcast group on Facebook, so I listen to theirs sometimes. The one I really like right now, and which is probably my favorite, is the Box of Oddities.
0: Box of Oddities. I've never heard of that one.
1: It's on Castbox. Mm-hmm. I think it's on a few other places too. They're so funny. It's a. Husband and wife who are just so weird, but they work so well together and they just, they each have a story that's a true historical story huh. that happened at some random point in time or a true, his, or true fact. And they don't know what the other one's going to say. And they get on there and they read it to each other.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. They're just
1: so odd, but they're so cute. I love it.
0: Oh, what's that one called again? The box of oddities. The box of oddities, all right, on cast box. Uh, yes. And yours is not ready for rhyme time, and that's all the questions <laughs> I had prepared for you. Um, is there anything that else that you like to tell the audience about yourself?
1: About myself? Yeah. I'm. I like to go to comic cons. That's fun. I'm That's a major cool. nerd.
0: <laughs> what do you like to do there? Like, Who do you like to dress up as? If you dress up.
1: The, I do dress up. I make my own costumes and I sold them at one point too.
0: Really? That's I, awesome. I
1: don't do that anymore. That was a lot of trouble.
0: <laughs> <laughs> who do you dress I, up as?
1: I dressed up as Itachi Uchiha from Naruto.
0: Uh-huh
1: at the last one. I didn't make that one because that's such an old show that it's just cheaper to buy it at this point. I also dressed up as Chisei Hattori from The Ancient Magist Bride, which is one of my favorite animes right now. Huh. It's kind of like a more modern, but with more magic in it, Beauty and the Beast type thing, except Beauty wanted to be taken. <laughs> yeah, there's so. A- it's kind of it's it's a very odd show, but it's a lot of fun. I also I have Asuna from Sword Art Online. I also have Kirito. That was the first one I made. Was his coat? I just wanted his coat. Cool. Awesome. But now I'm much better at sewing now, and I'm looking at going. I'm never gonna wear this.
0: So it sounds like you'd like Japanese characters. I uh, do. Um, there's a. Do you watch Netflix? I watch Netflix, but
1: mostly I watch Crunchyroll.
0: There's mostly there's um. Just think about what you were saying earlier about um, like in strong female leads. There's a cartoon on there. It's about a fox. It's Japanese. I can't remember what it's called offhand. Though, just like it just slipped my mind. Like, I was just thinking about it and it just slipped my mind. But it's about a cartoon. Fox and she lives in the city, has but
1: um, and she's working and she really loves like hardcore like, metal screamo yes, <laughs> yeah. I watched that one, it's pretty funny, yeah. And it's actually kind of accurate about like modern day Japan and working situations. Yeah.
0: Like after work, she just goes, This screamo, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I like that one. Except I watch all my shows in Japanese.
0: <laughs> so you know Japanese?
1: Tsukoshi. Anasimas.
0: Let's see. I have no idea what that
1: means. I said I, I talk a little. Oh, okay. So, because I've been to Japan and I'm going back. That's fun.
0: Really? What part of Japan?
1: Our, my first trip to Japan, we went to Tokyo because that's where you fly in and you've got no choice. Um... Then we went down to Kyoto, okay. and then Osaka, and then Hiroshima, and back up to Tokyo.
0: Cool. So, for people traveling to Japan, uh, is there any place that you would recommend?
1: Kyoto was awesome. Kyoto. Kyoto oh. was... It, it Being in Japan and in, being in the cities you you don't really feel like you're in a city there because everyone has greenery everywhere. Huh. It's a it's very laid back. Japan is a very safe country.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so what draws you to Japan?
1: Uh well, I just kind of grew up watching anime, Yu-Gi-Oh, which was a horrible dubbed one. (laughs) It's kind of funny (laughs) to go back and laugh at it now. And I just kind of got into the graphic novels in high school and I had a bunch of people who had the graphic novels and when I was in the book club we would just share them around.
0: Cool.
1: Uh... Other than that, I just I don't know, the culture's always been entertaining and they have I just like their style pretty much.
0: Any graphic novels that you would recommend?
1: I have like a thousand my shelf. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do, do you have a genre you want me to
0: recommend? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, this show is mostly dedicated to horror, but I mean, I I expand oh, it for right everything that's started. cool and interesting. But yeah, what what's horror? We what got in horror. <laughs>
1: Nightmare Inspector. Oh, okay. I read cool. that when I was like 12, and it freaked me out. Cool. I, I reread it as an adult, and it's still kind of freaky. <laughs> <laughs> it's about a baku that eats nightmares.
0: Huh. I might have to check that out. That sounds cool.
1: It's only like nine volumes long, and it was a very obscure series, so not very many people know it, but it's huh. it's also kind of weird. It's based in, like, 1920s, so hmm. you've got kind of the traditional Japanese going on with the English styles being mixed in, so you get to see all of it.
0: Huh. Sounds interesting. Japan, Japan in kind 20s. of had a
1: transition from the 1800s until after... World War Two, where their styles kind of mixed with modern and cultural, which they still do, but yeah. mostly everyone dresses modernly now, unless it's for an event.
0: Yeah, I, I remember in history class that Japan was kind of separated from the world for most of its history. <laughs> A lot of it was self-imposed, but. <laughs> I mean, you live on an island. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But still, I mean, <laughs> eventually the, the world will get to you. So, all right. Well, thank you very much for agreeing to do the podcast. Thanks for
1: having me.
0: All right. Take care.
1: You
0: too. That was Taylor Woodland. Make sure to check out her show, "Not Ready for Rhyme Time, on CastBox. And be sure to check out alanwalker.com to get your free ebooks starting on February 1st. And until next time, it's always a good day to read some fucked up shit.